Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Ennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. Welcome back to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. Sam and I are back on another Friday uh, with another special guest. We have John Corrales. Say what's up, John. Say something about yourself. <laughs> Say something about myself. Yeah, Hi, I know. I'm, I'm John Corrales. <laughs> Let me read off my resume. I am the beat writer for uh, MassLive.com, Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. And I host the Lockdown Celtics podcast and generally uh, overly active on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. <laughs> I'm notoriously terrible at intros. You're the first one who's ever called me out for it, though. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we usually – Jack's usually like, all right, uh, you go ahead and just uh, tell the people who you are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It comes from an inner fear that I'm going to mispronounce someone's name. So I'm always like, you know what? You can say it just so I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> and in the process, I always sound like an idiot anyway. So it's a lose-lose situation. <laughs> um, but anyways – uh, we see teams starting to arrive in Orlando. Uh, a bunch of players are posting on social media, and we're going to start off with this uh, about their food. We've seen Troy Daniels <laughs> post his, uh, I don't even know what that was, his salad maybe. Chris Chioza in Brooklyn on the Brooklyn Nets posting it about some interesting looking chicken. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have Ennis Cantor thanking the chefs at being the nice guy that I assume he is. But uh, what, what do you think about the whole food situation down in Disney? I think... I think it's <laughs> overblown. It doesn't it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great, but yeah. from what I understand, the first few days are mostly just like that's that's kind of prepackaged stuff. It's it, it's because everybody's in quarantine, it's it's a little different than what they're going to be getting. Um I think if we by this time next week, you're going to see a lot of tweets you're going to be like, "Oh, okay. That's better." That's better. So I think the first few days were always going to be a little dicey with prepackaged salads and just kind of throwing things together. Um, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. it's it's social media, so people are going to get their jokes off. I think I do think the guys should be a little careful about complaining or coming mm-hmm. off as complaining uh, when they're they're doing this. It's it's a tough situation, but in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not that bad as far as accommodations and the food it's not horrible so but i think i think in the course of a week we'll we'll look back on this and be like oh okay i see what happened yeah we were talking about it on wednesday because that's when uh they just initially started uh complaining or posting about the food 
And like I was I was looking at all the pictures and I was like, you know, like this stuff doesn't even look bad, especially the watermelon. The watermelon looked like it was really good. And I'll stick to that. Um, <laughs> you can't know, go it, wrong with it. As long as it's not dry, <laughs> it looked like it was nice and red. And they had like they also uh, didn't mention that they had like nice robes that looked like uh, Troy Daniels bed. I think he had like an NBA robe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty baller to me. So I mean, I know where these guys stay. I know where these guys stay on the road. And I okay. know I know where you know I know I know it's not quite uh what they're this isn't quite what they're used to. You know, like when I go on the road and I saw if I see one of the hotels these guys are staying in, I'd be like, "Wow, yes, I'd love to stay in a place like that." But uh <laughs> compared to where they normally stay, obviously it's not it's not exactly up to par, but I think everybody should know going in, this is not normal. Let's just get through this. I mean, Rondo called it Motel 6 on some social media, and I thought that Did was... Did he really? Good. Yeah, he, he goes, hmm, this looks like a Motel 6 or something of that effect on his, uh, I think, Instagram story maybe. And I was just sitting oh there like, goodness. like, wow, I mean, you're going to be staying here for three months and you're already just talking bad about the place you're staying and the staff and all of that. I thought it was an interesting choice by uh, by him. So, I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, I think I, for some reason... And I didn't follow that too closely. For some reason, I feel like that was a bit of a troll because there was some question as to whether the Lakers were even there yet. Yeah, right. I, I remember seeing that. Was that was another thing we were talking about because, like, we were talking about, like, the difference. So, like, Kuzma and LeBron had both both posted food that they had and, like, it looked worlds better than what the players that were <laughs> actually there had. And people yeah. were getting all mad. They were like, well, because they're on the Lakers, they're getting sushi and tacos <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, we we uh, got our detective on and we uh, figured out that they weren't there yet. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tatum had tacos. Yeah. Do you think he brought them with him? How did he, I think he get? Did. I think he did. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I'm per- I-, I would bet that his mom sent him. <laughs> his mom packed bag. him a lunch. I'm, I'm, I, I swear. <laughs> Because he said, he said, Mom Duke hooked me up. Oh, I, I think that she sent him with a bag of, like, ground beef and all of the stuff. <laughs> like, when you get there, just pop it into the microwave in your room, and there you go. You've got yourself some tacos. Like, that's perfectly acceptable and smart. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You're, you're only flying from Boston to Orlando. You can take food with you on the plane. You're not going through. It's not like me going through security. Like, you can take anything you want with you on the team plane. Yeah. So, why not? If you know you're going to be there for a few days, load up on some of the things that you know you want to eat. Smart move. For sure. And they look like the tacos he always has. Like he always posts on like tacos he's eating and on a Snapchat story and everything. They got the same cheese, the same hot sauce. And I was just like, he had to have brought them with him, which is like, I guess makes sense now that you put it that way because it is a team play and they don't have to go through security. But it was just funny to me that out of all the things he could have brought, he brought tacos with him. Oh, yeah. Taco oh, J, baby. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Taco and taco. Um, speaking of things players decided to bring, I saw a picture of Romeo Langford bringing a backpack and a Nintendo Switch with him. Yeah. Bringing nothing. <laughs> he looked like a child. I thought that was funny. That's classic Romeo. That's classic Romeo. In fact, if you go to my partner at Mass Live, Tom, Tom Westerholm, mm-hmm. if you go to his, um, his Twitter, he, he tweeted out a story. Uh, that he had done earlier this season I about Romeo this. Langford's like complete inability to pack. <laughs> Romeo is like he's he's such a fascinating guy. 
because he's just he's just there and he's like yeah. really good at basketball <laughs> but i think in in general in life he's just there and he's just like yeah whatever he's like the most <laughs> chill laid back like just perpetually like i don't even know if he smokes weed but like i feel like he's <laughs> always i didn't say that like he has like that look about him like he's just perpetually just like yeah baby this, this dead is man, cool, like, man. <laughs> no emotions like, look no he's just like he's just like floating and i i envy it man i i would love to have that kind of attitude he's just floating along he's like yeah man whatever it's cool nothing bothers him nothing over the top nothing crazy he's just he's just chilling but like when he gets but when he gets on the court He's like legit on the court, like yeah. something between the lines snaps him into place. Mm-hmm. But off the court, he's just like, yeah, whatever. I throw some socks in a backpack. <laughs> like, what's he got to get dressed up for in Orlando anyway? The yeah, team's going to give him all of his gear. He just yeah. wears Celtics, you know, stuff the whole time. I, that's what I'd be doing. I'd have like two pairs of shorts, two Celtics shirts. I'd just alternate them every other day. It's genius. I mean, he's like he's like me when I pack for college. I always forget like thirty things, but except he's going to you know Orlando to get paid millions of dollars, and I'm going. Somebody to... like Marcus Smart is going to have like ten suitcases. Yeah, all his Versace stuff. And, <laughs> you know, like he's going to have two two bags just for shoes and for what to go down to the players' lounge. Like, what's he going to be doing? <laughs> yeah, like I I don't know. I think it might have been on Reddit where I saw the Romeo thing. And, like, someone, like, detailed, like, exactly what he had. He was like, yeah, he was like, yeah like, you know, brought some socks, uh, a couple pairs of yeah. underwear, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. Three that's months. It. Not going to bring much. He, I mean, he, he's got the Mario Kart Nintendo Switch. So, he, you know, he's just going to be in his room playing Mario Kart with, like, Grant Williams and Taco Faller. I don't know who on the team he's, like, really close with. But they're just going to be playing video games in socks sure. and sweatpants the whole time. Which, I mean, I respect. That's what I do at home. And I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. Like, I, I play video games all day anyway. So Yeah, why not? Like, if I was, when, I, when I was that age, I'm obviously a little bit older now. But when I was that age, I'd be doing, he's the type of guy that he'll just be looking at his Switch. And he'll look up and be like, how did it get to be midnight? Well, he started playing <laughs> in the afternoon and be like, it's midnight. I forgot to eat. I didn't practice today. Like, he's like, yeah, right. Where's Romeo? Like, oh, he's just, he's in his room, man. He's, he's been playing Switch. Uh, he, he's, he's the type of guy out of this rookie class that I feel like would pull a Robert Williams. Like, but except for a different reason, like he'd just be playing video games and not pay attention and just completely miss a practice. That's the type of like, I, I don't know if that's actually what he's like, but that's just the vibe I get off of Romeo. Like you say, with this deadpan, like just, carefree look about him all the time yeah uh, oh yeah they're, they're one in the same i feel like all the rookies have a very like this season with grant romeo carson tremont and taco they all have very distinctive personalities like grant's this upbeat guy like already a fan favorite in boston taco is taco i don't know what else there is to say romeo yeah. we've already talked about him like i don't know it's just a very very unique rookie class for the celtics this year it's it is a unique class um, but it's a bunch of good guys yeah. like, like the Celtics after last year and they said, yeah, we always want to have good guys on our mm-hmm. team. And of course, of course you do. But I felt like there might've been a little extra, a little extra motivation to make sure that all of the people that they, they brought in were, were the right personality. And all of these guys are, are great. Like I joke about, Romeo it's nothing I wouldn't say to him like and I think he would laugh about it he's like yeah that's probably that's exactly what I am um but all of these guys Grant Grant's a goofball and he's a goofball with us in the media but you can see them getting along on the practice floor 
I'll be honest with you. That's the one thing that I miss most about covering the team in person is seeing these guys joke around with each other on the floor and, and their interactions with one another. It's really cool. Everybody gets along. And, and this rookie class is just, you know, they, they do all have their unique personalities. And I think because they have those unique personalities, it's almost like pieces to the puzzle. They all just kind of fit together. Speaking of covering the team, so no media gets to go to Florida. Correct, right? No one's going, not even the closest reporters to the team. So how does that change things for you? What do you do differently now? I mean, obviously, you have to do a lot more from home, but do you get to, like, have press conferences on Zoom or something like that? How does that work? Yeah, so what they have is they have two tiers of media that are allowed to go to Orlando. There's a tier, the tier one is, like, ESPN, um, but the big national team but the big national reporters okay and there's only 10 of them there's only 10 so they're allowed to go in but they have to also be they're all in a, a certain hotel not in any of the team hotels they're quarantined for a week they have to get their tests they have to get you know uh, i forget how many positive i mean uh cleared covid tests um and they even they have limited limited access to the players Tier two is just, you know, not even not even worth it, in my opinion. But you are allowed to go down there. You have to get tested a couple times uh, and you are allowed in the building. And that's it. Like there. So there are going to be some people there who are tier two. That will be like. Tweeting out videos from inside the arena. But that's about it. When post game comes around, they'll be on Zoom calls. Now, the rest of us, like me, will be at home and on Zoom. So uh, in a couple of hours, the Celtics are – the Celtics should actually be in practice right now as we're speaking. Yeah. So in a couple of hours, when they wrap up, I'm going to be with you know a couple dozen other reporters on a Zoom call with Brad Stevens and two of the players, just like we normally would be in scrums at a practice – but it'll be all done via video conference. So that's the big difference. So has that been what it's like during out this like throughout this whole process? I guess there hasn't been any practices like they're starting up again, but have you been doing stuff yeah. over Zoom a lot, like getting used to that type of thing? Everything everything the team has done is over Zoom. Hmm. So prior to this past week where um they started up the mand- the mandatory individual workouts they there were just kind of like some spotty availabilities here and there this past week we've gotten two availabilities per day so uh the first one was brad stevens and i think kemba walker and then each day you just get two two different people and yeah it's all over zoom and they did it from the practice facility but we're not allowed into the practice facility like the the nba is is really really being vigilant and I, and I don't blame them the whole the whole point of the bubble is to get 22 full rosters of nba teams plus the staff plus the coaches in there covid free and they don't want any any risks so they theoretically could have allowed us in the practice facility and kept us six feet away and wear masks and all of that stuff, that that probably would have been okay. But by not allowing us in, they eliminated even that faint risk. 
So that's that's the NBA's plan. I respect the plan. Um, I would rather stay home and cover the team, which is not ideal. But if if that part of the plan helps it get pulled off and we actually get to an NBA Finals, then I'm happy to do my part. And then we'll see what happens when the 2020-21 season comes about and, and what that will look like. Because who knows? Yeah, um, I'm completely with you on that. I'm just happy that they're having something. They're having the playoffs. We're going to complete the season. I'm super pumped, obviously. And I, I'm really happy it's in the middle of the summer, to be honest, because usually this time of year is like the most boring time of year, like yeah. the whole year for basketball fans. So, like, I'm super pumped. I'm so happy. I'm not going to have to, like, sit through, like, the hot summer. We have, like, two, uh, three weeks exactly till the Celtics play again. Um, so it's definitely time right. to get excited. So yeah. You, you, I mean, speak. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, right now, I'd normally be in Las Vegas for summer league. So, this what's is, that this like? Is the summer, summer league. league in Vegas, you know, it's, it's evolved a bit. Um, First of all, it's hot. <laughs> Las Vegas in July is really, really damn hot. Um, but it's it's an interesting kind of dynamic because half of it is the games and half of it is just talking to people while the games are going on. So if the Celtics are playing in the morning, you go, you do your work, you watch the game, you do the post game and all that stuff, and you write there, you know, then you go back into the arena. And you spend the rest of your day in the arena watching other games. You want to see other rookies, other second-year players, how they're progressing. But then, you know, you're walking by GMs. You know, I'm, I'm walking into the back to the media room and Rob Palenka's walking by. And, like, we brush shoulders. And, you know, you want to get to say hi and, and try to get to know some of the, uh, the people around the league, especially for me. I'm on my – you know, this is actually my first – full season on the beat like last season I kind of joined shortly after the season began so I'm really only just starting out and only just getting to know people so that that's kind of like half of what the job is in Vegas and and so you get to see like people in different situations it's a lot more casual um and it's good it's good to just kind of be seen find yourself in places it's harder now than it was in the past because they have like every NBA team there in the past, right. you had like 12 or 14 NBA teams, and it was a little looser. Um, they have games that are going until like 9 and 10 o'clock, which is insane because you, games used to end around 4 or 5. Then you'd go have dinner and go out, and you'd get to see these people at like bars and lounges <laughs> and, and stuff. Like, And, you know, it's a little different talking to uh, an NBA executive at – the back end of, you know, the back of the house at the Thomas and Mack Center versus talking to him uh, at the bar, you know, at Caesars, you know, a, a couple of uh, a couple of tonics <laughs> in, you know, you have a little bit more candid conversation. So right. I, I, I kind of kind of miss that a little bit. But, you know, that's all do right. You have, you know, you do. do you have any good stories from uh, the Summer League in Vegas? Anything crazy? Yeah. Not, I mean, not super crazy that you probably can't talk about it's super crazy, but like, um, <laughs> but like anything like that, like any, any like interesting stories, funny stories, anything. I do. All right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to name 
the player. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I can tell you it's not a Celtic. All right. But you uh, probably won't guess then. At least I won't. You can. I mean, you can guess around the league, but this is this is a person who is not and has never been a member of the Boston Celtics. Okay. But um, we just ended up me and a few other people. I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked out, but we're bouncing around, we're doing whatever, and somebody said, "Hey, there's this party at this there's this pool party. Uh, you know, come on, come on, I'll, I'll I'll get you in." And we get to the place, and there's a line. And first of all, the bouncer, I had a I had some Boston stuff on. He's like, right. "Oh, you're from Boston?" You're like, "Yeah." He's like, "I'm from Boston too." You get to the front of the line, like. <laughs> that's awesome Thank you. awesome awesome this is great and then i remember going through a labyrinth now this is this is later at night uh my work had long been done and i'm a few drinks into the night and right. um this party this pool party was just one of the most amazing things that i've ever seen just just a, a sea of humanity i mean just and you know Exactly what you think a Las Vegas pool party would be. Um, and so we're led to this cabana, and I see this NBA player, and I was like, oh, damn, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, start talking, and then there's, you know, bottle service and all this stuff, and you just hang out and just partied for the night. It was, uh, it was a good time. I can't. I can't go any more, into any more detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Like, yeah. Partying, partying poolside with an NBA player was, sure. uh, and this was like, I want to say like two, three years ago. Okay, okay, okay. So I wasn't at that point. I was still independent. I was not working for Mass Live. So I don't mm. want people, in case anybody at Mass Live is listening, this wasn't for, <laughs> you know while I was a Mass Live employee. This was a Mass Live employee. This is I was there strictly as a locked on podcaster. Mm-hmm. Right. So if now have you seen this player since like when you like say this team his team plays the Celtics or whatever <laughs> you see him does he like recognize you say what's up man um i have not i've not gotten close enough to him mm-hmm. to i've seen him but i've not gotten close enough to him to like go talk and strike up a conversation because whenever i've seen him he's warming up and going in his routine and and frankly Frankly, you know, it might be better if he doesn't remember me. <laughs> but, uh-huh. uh, well, you know, who knows? That's such a unique experience, though. Just, like, going to Vegas for the summer league to work and get quotes and everything, and then you end up at a pool party with an NBA player late at night. That That's just such a crazy, like, to, th- to think about. Did you ever think, like, when you went there, hmm, I'm, I, I think I'll end up at a pool party, like, no. partying with an NBA player? <laughs> No, I think the bouncer is the best part of that story. That's awesome. Well, that's he was, like, I tell he you was what. like, "What's up, man? You're in front of the line." Yeah, like all of a sudden, like that became. I, I've never felt more VIP in my life because I just showed up to a place where there's a long line, and he waves me to the front, and then I go and I'm I'm hanging out with an NBA player, and you're just like, "Damn, all right, okay, wow. this is good." That's crazy. That's that's a life story. Like you're. That's I don't know. Like. If I will have anything ever as interesting to tell for a story of my life, then, oh, yeah, I, I was once in Vegas, and a bouncer put me to the front of the line, and then I got to party with an NBA player. Like, that that's just – just that sentence alone 
is just <laughs> insane. It's like, just, yeah. wow. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, I, I guess to transition more back into the uh, the NBA restart a little bit, we're seeing, we obviously saw all these players have to leave their families. And uh, unfortunately, we saw Brad Wanamaker with like a pillow with his kids on it. We saw the images of Deuce and Jason Tatum hugging goodbye and everything. I don't know the specifics exactly. Uh, do you know how it's going to work when the families are eventually allowed in Orlando and they're going to have to kind of transition into the life in the bubble with their their uh, husbands, boyfriends, or everything like that? Well, um, my understanding is that the beginning of the second round is when families will be able to be okay. let in. Um, by then, uh, we'll have, what is it, six six teams eliminated from the regular season and then what another another eight eliminate so 14 teams will be out yeah. eight that right is that right eight eight teams will be remaining in the second mm. round yes yes yeah yeah um yes so then uh by then so when you're when you're eliminating uh, what is it? Fourteen teams or whatever the number is. My math is just crazy. Uh, when I, I when you're eliminating that that many people, you're talking about fourteen teams, thirty five people per team. So now you're getting like what like four hundred people are going to be out of the bubble. Yeah. It's going to be a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. So that's when they're going to start adjusting. And I know that the Celtics are, and I'm assuming other teams are hoping that they the the league will allow like more members of staffs to um, to join. Like in, right now it's 35 people, but if you've eliminated 450 or so, then you can, you can adjust and say, Hey, can we have 40 people now and have some of our video people down there? Like, mm-hmm. so we'll see what the NBA does. This, this is all very fluid. If things are going well, if there are no cases or minimal cases in the bubble and everything's going smoothly, it's going to be interesting to see if they say, okay, it's going smoothly. We can add a few more people to this. Or if they say, this is going smoothly. Let's not mess with it. Let's just leave it. So, but the beginning of the second round, they are going to allow family into the bubble. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious how it would work in like the exact timeline, but that, I guess that makes sense. Cause they'll cut about like most of the people there and have only eight teams left. And then they'll allow, family and more people so it'll, it'll basically be like the amount of people at the start of the bubble anyway so they'd be used to that kind of dynamic down there in Orlando do you think the I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this the having none of their family there is going to affect the way that these players play like do you think they're going to be thinking like like obviously they're going to miss their families at home but do you think that's going to like affect how they play on the court or do you think they'll be able to like separate it and say okay I need to do this now I'll see my family in a few weeks I've got a job to do. Yeah, it's 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 going to be hard. It's hard to mm-hmm. say. Um, I mean, I'm sure some people are. Uh, I'm, somebody's going to be affected by it, um, and all of these guys are going to be affected yeah. by, you know, like Jason Tatum not being able to see his son mm-hmm. and only being able to see his son through video. Like that's gonna that's gonna impact him somehow. But you know, is he going to take that into practice? I don't know. It's hard to say. Like. Um, it depends on it could depend on the day. If he if he's walking into practice and he's on a video chat with his mom and he's seeing something that Deuce is doing, he says, I gotta go, and Deuce starts crying. Like, 
that might distract him at the beginning of practice. Yeah. But at the same time, what makes all of these players special mm-hmm. is finding a way to turn things like this into a motivation. You know, like he could easily turn around and say, for example, like, all right, you know, I can't see Deuce, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out there and dominate. So when Deuce puts on the game, he sees daddy all the time. And and maybe that's something that he that he can turn this into. I mean, there, There's different motivations for, for all these different guys. So there's no real answer to that question because so many different people, there's, there's different personalities there. And it's hard to say who's going to let it affect them and who's not. All I can say is that, I believe in what Brad Stevens says that the team that finds itself, as he puts it, can find their joy that can, that can find their grit. Those are the teams that are going to have the best chance in this situation. And so if, if these guys can find a way to coalesce around this, this, this less than ideal situation, then, and, and if somebody like Tatum or Hayward, or anybody else that is feeling this way, you know, Wanamaker can be open and express that and tell that to their coaching staff and tell that to the, the executives that are, that are there. It's like, you know, man, I'm really missing my, my family today. I do know that the Celtics are, are sensitive to that kind of stuff and they will find, they will find ways to kind of help that player. Um, and I think if the team is, is supporting that player, that's going to make it easier for the player to kind of give it what he's got and, and for things to go well on the court. Another thing um, that could have, maybe not an impact, but like in terms of the basketball side of that, is like some players may use basketball as a way to um, escape from everything going on around too. Um, sure. I know, I know a lot of guys, I think Kemba Walker was really excited to get back to playing because the whole quarantine has got him, maybe not down, but you know, he's happy to be able to start playing again. So I feel like them being able to play basketball at the level be with the team will be helpful to the morale in itself. Yeah. And Kemba's a unique situation too. He's a single guy, no kids. Like, right. Like me, me and Kemba are on the same wavelength. Like if they said, like if I was on the team and they're like, yeah, you got to be in there for three months. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. Like doesn't, doesn't bother me, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? Um, but he, the, it's different. The, I, right. Yeah. The idea of basketball as a sanctuary is, is legit. Like, I know that firsthand. I used to play, um, and some of the you know darkest moments of my life, I would retreat to a basketball court at no no matter what the age. You know, even in my thirties, I forties. You know, sometimes you just you know what you want to get between those lines. You want to go to a place where everything makes sense, and you know that just getting some shots up. You, it's a familiar surrounding. You, you know that you thrive here. You you can shut out the rest of the world for a little while, um, and it, it really it, that's really legitimate. Um, but it is also difficult sometimes to 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 find that place for some guys, depending on what's going on in their lives. So there's there's definitely the ability to say to these guys, say, look, if if we put our heads down, and there's obviously going to be family time afterwards. We're here practicing for two or three hours, whatever the the time is. When you go back, you still got 20, you know, or whatever the, you know, however many hours, 16 hours, 14 hours, whatever you have, 
to do whatever and see your family. But if we put our heads down and focus, that's going to make the time go faster. And if we, if we really focus on what we're trying to do here and stick with each other and support each other, then before you know it, it's going to be August. And before you know it, it's going to be September. And it's going to suck in the moment. But when you go home, hopefully in the middle of October, after having won a championship, you will have, you will understand like, geez, that, that went by quick, quicker than I thought. And you will have had this unique experience that hopefully you can celebrate something at the end. You're now listening to the Code Word of the Week. All right, today, uh, this week, the code word is still lanyard. So if you are listening, DM me or Jack lanyard, retweet this podcast, and you'll be entered into the raffle for some Celtics merch. We'll draw Sunday or Monday. All right. Be sure to DM us the code word on Twitter at BannertownJack or at Parquet Press for a chance to be entered in this week's giveaway. And now back to From the Raptors. Yeah, I just hope that the players are able to. I know it's impossible to separate you missing your family and the job you have to do, but uh, I guess get through it. And I mean, I personally think it would be horrible to leave my family and I can't imagine like obviously they it's they're getting paid a lot of money to do this job but never in the description was it that you'll have to leave your family for three months I understand like road trips to the west coast and everything but it it must be hard to leave but like you said I think if they can find a distraction they'll be able to to get through it and be able to celebrate a championship at the end is obviously the goal but I, I wanted to ask you this so we saw Gordon Hayward and his family talk about how Uh, They spent all this time together, and now he has to go away. But I think the unique thing about him and Vincent Poirier is that both of their wives are are pregnant, and Hayward might have to leave or probably will have to leave the bubble uh, for the birth of his kid, which, I mean, I don't blame. I completely understand. But do you think that's going to – Yeah, of course. No questions asked. To to affect the Celtics' ability to win a championship this season because he's obviously a huge piece uh, to the Celtics this year. Is – what was the question you kind of cut out there? Oh, sorry. Do you think missing Hayward in that final stretch of the season when we're in into it finally, like trying to make the last home stretch to a gotcha. championship, do you think missing Hayward's going to be huge and affect our chances this year? Or the well, Celtics' I, chances? I think, I think it'll be, it'll be t- difficult because for the Celtics to get that far, Hayward will have to be good. And so if Hayward's not at his best, then it won't matter because the Celtics may not get to the point where they're still playing when his wife is ready to have birth. Um, But if Hayward is great, if Hayward is playing the way he was playing before he broke his hands, then the Celtics will have a strong chance to be in the conference finals, which would be around the time that his wife would give birth. So that means that they miss him. You follow me? So he, yeah, it, it'll be, it'll be difficult for them. But at the same time, the Celtics have a season's worth of experience playing without a key player. Like they are the third seed in the East within striking distance of the second seed while not having their top 
five players together for more than a few games. Mm-hmm. So they've they've learned they they played what most of December without Hayward because of his broken hand. They've learned how to play without Kemba. They've learned how to play without Jalen and Jason and Marcus. So they they have that experience. They have a game plan. Now, at the same time, the playoffs, you're playing against better competition. And in the conference finals or the, the semifinals, you'll be playing, say, Toronto or Milwaukee or whomever. You're going to be playing a good team then. So that's going to make it all that much more difficult. They'll just have to find a way to adjust. And, you know, I, I don't know what the Hayward's plan is, but there is there is a possibility, depending on what the schedule is, and I don't know what the, the playoff schedule is because it hasn't been released, but there's a possibility that he might only miss a couple of games if they are able to time it. And if they do, you know, if they could induce her, they could do a C-section, they could do something like that where he knows on this day it's going to happen, so he leaves the day before or that morning, lands, gets there, that, you know, when he gets there, they do it. A day or two later, he comes back, and then he goes through a four-day quarantine. Then he misses, what, two, three games? And hopefully the Celtics are able to manage through those couple of games, but he could be there for most of a seven-game series. So until we get there, it's going to be hard to say exactly how much, but it's definitely going to hurt, but there, there is a chance that it, it could be minimized. If I was to bet, I would say Hayward's going to come back really strong. I feel like these last three months, like we saw him at the beginning of the season, right? He was he came out really hot before he hurt himself. I think it's because he got the time to prepare in the summer, and I think he got more time. I mean, I don't really know for sure how much he was able to prepare during quarantine, but I feel like he got a good amount of time to get himself right again after the hand injury. So we could probably see him be really solid once the season starts again. Yeah, I think just based on the accounts that we've heard, I feel like everybody on the Celtics has done a pretty good job of keeping in shape and doing the best they can under these circumstances. So I think I think the Celtics have have a good shot. And, you know, I don't know what the rest of the league looks like, but the Celtics seem to be very upbeat about how everybody looks. Of course, they wouldn't come in and tell the media like, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> yeah. How, how did how did things look, Brad? Like, oh my god, everybody got fat. So, <laughs> like, I don't think he would say that, but you can tell. <clears throat> excuse me, you can tell by looking at everybody, just from when they were on camera, that everybody looks good. And so, hopefully, just a few weeks of getting some shots up, getting that touch, and now this week starting to get. Um, starting to get a little bit of a, a run, you know, a little five on five that they can, they can get back to back up the speed. And, and look, this is, this isn't like a regular preseason where you're integrating guys and you're like Kemba comes in and you have to teach Kemba all of the play calls, all of the defensive things. Like you, you don't have, and, and Tice was, was really good at explaining all of this. You don't have to go through all of that stuff like you would in a normal training camp. You pick right back up where you left off. Everybody remembers you've got, they've been on Zoom calls. Everybody remembers the terminology. The muscle memory is still kind of there. You're just going to get your timing down. So I feel like the, I feel like the Celtics can, can get themselves back up to speed pretty easily. I completely just forgot what I was going to ask you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I had something I was going to break up. So okay. It's good. Um, so I agree. I think it'll be easier for the team to obviously pick up, like you just said, since they're not having uh, to integrate all these new players like Kemba at the beginning of the season was new, all of these new players. Do you think that's going to give the Celtics a leg up on all these teams who are adding new pieces, even as small as like uh, J.R. Smith or I guess you can say Jamal Crawford, but I don't see the Nets competing for a championship. But do you think that will give (laughs) the Celtics a leg up on those teams who had to add these extra pieces due to the players opting out and everything? Um, well, I I think the Lakers are going to be fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, Avery Bradley was important for them, but obviously the most important pieces are LeBron and Anthony Davis. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be too hard for them. The team that is going to be affected by it doesn't matter because it's the Brooklyn Nets (laughs) to a lesser degree, the Washington Wizards, and they're just they're just fighting to like who who can fall out of the playoffs like who can like they're <laughs> just tanking you know yeah. so they're all right well we'll see we'll see how michael beasley does we'll see how jamal crawford does uh but i think i think everybody is kind of on that same page of not having to explain material changes to the game plan to everybody so does it give the Celtics a leg up? Probably not, uh, because I think everybody's in a similar situation. Even if you look at some like like Indiana, like they they've spent most of their season playing with without Oladipo, so they know what they're doing. Um, so I think everybody's kind of starting at the same at the same spot. I did remember what I was going to ask. Um, I'm ready? <laughs> that could be edited. Uh, all right, no. so. You were talking about um, yeah. Don't edit that out. (laughs) I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in specifically because you said that. (laughs) You were talking about um, players on the Celtics. Like you know, everyone was pretty much in good shape, and they wouldn't say if they weren't right. Now it came out that Chris Middleton said he hadn't touched a ball in three months. (laughs) Do you think he's messing with people? And also, I mean, out of all the people that could not touch a basketball for three months. Chris Middleton, that is very good for the Celtics until they inevitably play the Celtics and he catches fire like every time. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration from Chris. Just like Tatum said, I didn't touch a basketball for a few months. Like, yeah, right. OK, look, you didn't you don't have a basketball. You're Chris Middleton. You're like the second or third best player in the East this year, for God's sake, like. You don't have a basketball in your house. You didn't dribble a basketball in your house. You didn't fake shoot a basketball in your house. I'm 47, and I fake shoot basketballs in my house. So <laughs> you, Chris Middleton, are definitely working on your form and shooting that ball and having that ball come off your hand. Don't tell me you didn't touch a basketball for three months because I do not believe it for one second. Oh, I sure hope he didn't because oh. opening night, Celtics have Milwaukee July 31st at what 6:30? I think 6:30 is tip. So uh-huh. that that is the game to watch. I can't wait. Um what I else think it'll got? be a good I, I, I think it'll be a good up. indication for uh how well everyone's going to be coming back. I like we saw Tatum in the uh workout footage. He looked like he was not able to miss a shot. Obviously, we see all these clips and everything, but I think as soon as they hit the floor in that first game, not like I don't, the scrimmages are something else, but as soon as we see the floor in the first game, that counts for something. 
I mean, obviously it doesn't count for as much for the Bucks, but but I think the way they perform there, I think will be a decent indication for us to see how everyone is going to do under these new conditions, because obviously it's something I, I don't think anybody will see another time in their lifetime. This is the first time anything like this has ever happened. I think this is, it, it's crazy to think that the NBA season got suspended the way it did. This is just such a unique, some, this will go down in the history books. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's just a very unique oh, yeah. situation. For sure. For yeah. sure. Like there's, this never happened before. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. Everybody thinks they, they have a good idea of what's going to happen. Nobody <laughs> knows. No one knows. Like we can guess, we can try to guess, but that doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just going to go how it goes and we're just going to have to react to it. But, um, yeah, I yeah. think, I think that first, that first game, that first real game, mm-hmm. um, the walkie in Boston, I think that's going to be a, a little bit tough because even though there are some pre preseason quote unquote exhibition type games, that's going to be the first game that really sort of matters. Yeah. And there's just no, there's no substitute for that kind of dynamic guys. Guys are definitely going to be a little rusty. I think the shooting's going to be a little tough on both sides. So, well, that one might be a little ugly, but I do think that as we progress, the basketball is going to get better. Like a lot of people are sitting there saying like, Oh, this basketball is going to be so horrible. Like, I, I don't agree with that. I think after the first few games, maybe maybe the seeding games might not be so great. I think once we get to the playoffs, the playoffs are going to be pretty good. I think because they, there's no travel. These guys are all in the same place. You're going to get a day off. You're going to be play, playing every other day. You're going to, you don't have to even go drive home or anything like that. You just – it's very simple. You play. You get your treatment. You get to the hotel room. You get more treatment. Like it, it's – I think it's going to actually end up being a pretty advantageous situation for these guys. Yeah, there will be less wear and tear for sure. Exactly. I think so. Uh, Sam and I have talked about everyone saying, like, oh, this season will have asterisks on it. It's like, it's not going to like, Not if the Celtics re- win it, well. <laughs> it's not going to be a real championship. The Lakers do it, Will. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this season, like you were saying, everyone has an even playing field. I think this is going to be the fairest it will ever be. Because, like, obviously Philly won't have their home crowd and everything, but they also won't have to play on the road. I think this is the most even playing field you can possibly get for a playoffs. That's that's my opinion. So sure. I, I don't I, think I an asterisk. That. I don't think there should be an asterisk for the champion. I don't think, like, I don't think the general NBA community will give it, uh, give the champion an asterisk, unless, obviously, it's the Lakers and we're Celtics fans. So, obviously, well, there'll be a little hatred there. But there, I think any talk of an asterisk mm-hmm. – for the champion is 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 wrong. I think there is an asterisk for this entire season. Like you can you can look at the season and, and when they, when you talk about an asterisk for the champion, that that's somehow delegitimizing this champion. I don't right. think this, this champion should be delegitimized at all. No. What what you can do is say this 2020 playoffs was the was unlike anything we've ever seen. And if you want to put an asterisk next to the whole season and say, Hey, this was the COVID season, then, then sure. Because all that means is it was different, but uh, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough, a tough scenario. It's going to be tough to win. It's going to be a very difficult champion championship to win. 
And I think any any team that wins in this situation is going to earn it. They're really going to earn this championship. So I don't think there's any reason to disparage what what these teams are are going to go through right now. Yeah, I agree. That's always I my, agree too. my viewpoint, just because everyone's at an even playing field. I think it'll be fine. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about um, is the Celtics you mentioned are in the, in the three seed right now and the Raptors are the two seed. Do you think we've been talking about all season how the Celtics should want to avoid a first round matchup with Philly? Do you think that still matters and do you think the Celtics should aim for the two seed? Obviously, they want to win as many games as possible, but do you think it's a huge important thing that the Celtics should get the two seed so they can face uh, Orlando or Brooklyn or Washington if they manage to sneak in? Or do you think the Celtics will fare fine against Indiana or Philly? Um, well, obviously, playing Washington or um, Brooklyn, I don't think Washington's going to make it. But like, if if you yeah. manage if you manage somehow to get to Brooklyn or even Orlando, I think that's that's obviously a better mm-hmm. thing than having to face Indy or Philly. I mean, Philly's obviously, despite their problems, I think they can still they're still very good. Yeah. Um. So, so yes, obviously you want you want that, but I also think that the the Celtics feel good about whoever they face. Philly's probably the worst matchup for obvious reasons, but if they face Philly, I feel like they're gonna they're like, okay, so we got Philly. All right, let's just let's game plan for it, and we you know I think they feel pretty good about their their ability to neutralize some of Philly's strengths. So they'll. They'll try to do that. Um, so all that, all of that just leads me to say that I don't. I just don't think that the Celtics are going to prioritize getting the second seed over health and making sure guys are ready to play and that they're at their best for when the playoffs do roll around. Like I think the priority for the Celtics is getting to August seventeenth making sure that everybody's ready to play big minutes, making sure that everybody's healthy, that nobody pulls a, a hamstring, nobody pulls, you know, something that's going to linger throughout the playoffs. You know, healthy, ready to go, ready to play is the number one priority. And if that gets them to the second seed, great. But if if they do that and they lose a couple of games and they end up in the third seed, I don't think they care so much. I think they just want to be healthy and ready to go and have guys ramped up so they can they can be ready to play. Yeah, I, I agree, Sam. Sam, do you have any thoughts on that? I think you were about to say something there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this—it's just such a weird situation with the seeding because there is like really no home court. Like the whole season was get home court, get home court, get home court, and now like there really isn't. I know there was talk of possibly doing some kind of home court advantages, uh, like extra fouls, uh, importing yeah. the the wood from the wherever the arena is. I don't know if they're still doing that. I think, I think uh, the home floor would definitely be cool for sure. Um, well, they have all the home courts for the, for practice courts. So right. who knows? Maybe, maybe they will do that. I don't know. I hope they do. So, so John, you built up the locked on Celtics podcast uh, with Reds army Chuck. And we were doing something similar to that. Obviously we're very, close to the beginning do you have any uh mm-hmm. advice or stories from you know um working up getting to where you are today um 
Yeah, sure. Like, I think, I think when you're doing something like this, um, Chuck and I have had numerous conversations about building up the blog, redsarmy.com, and, you know, all the different things that we've done along the way. And, you know, we tried to, we tried to launch at one point a Red Sox blog and a, a Bruins blog. And we did for a short time, but those kind of fell apart because we tried to have someone else run them for us. Right. And ultimately what we figured out was that we were too stupid to, to stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. We just, we just kept going and it didn't matter what was happening in our lives. Like mm-hmm. it just, we just, we just kept going and other people who are running our other sites they had things that came up in their lives and they were like, no, I got to go focus on this. Sorry. Can't, can't be blogging as much anymore. And we're like, okay, which cool. Like go, go do your thing. But for some reason, Chuck and I never, never did that. We just kept blogging, kept going. So that's a, that's, that's a way to say that uh, it's all about perseverance. And when you feel like, like there, there were plenty of times where I felt like, all right, I'm, I quit, I'm done, I'm out. But I n- never really was out. I just, I, yeah. I got frustrated. But when it came to that point, I still, I worked through the frustration and I, I just kept going. And mm-hmm. that's the, that's the only thing I can tell you is just keep going. Yeah, that's one thing we talk about all the time. Like, um, especially with blogging. Um, you know, when you, when you work hard on a piece and you post it and then like, you only see like, like eight views or something like that. It's like, Oh my God, like frustrating as hell. Yeah. So that's definitely <laughs> good advice. And we're not super far into the grind. I mean, mm-hmm. We've been podcasting probably since the beginning of the year. Jack's yeah. been, I, like I came on after it used to be just his. And then I came on one day and we, we do this now and it's a lot of fun. I like mm-hmm. podcasting a lot. So, um, it's definitely something fun. So it is totally. Yeah. Every week when we have a guest on, I like (laughs) to ask um, a couple different like Celtics based questions about you, about, you know, things you have, memories, stuff like that. So my favorite question to ask is, do you have a favorite um, Celtics merch that you have, like autograph, jersey, whatever, whatever it is? uh, What's your favorite? Uh, I have a signed Bob Cousy basketball. Really? Yeah. You never yeah. hear about anyone having Bob Cousy stuff. That's, that's so that's sick. so different. Yeah, yeah. I and I got him to sign it in person. Uh wow. I was working I was working at uh WBZ when you know I spent a long time working in television and we were working on a morning show and for some reason I think he had might have had a book coming out or something. And so he came on the show. So I knew he was coming on the show, obviously, because I was one of the producers of the show. So I, <laughs> I went out, bought a basketball, I bought a silver Sharpie. And I was like, when Bob Cousy comes in, I'm getting Bob <laughs> Cousy's autograph. And I got Bob Cousy's autograph. I have a picture. I have a picture with him, too, somewhere. Um, but, yeah, so that would, that would be my favorite, my favorite piece of Celtics memorabilia. Do you have any runners-up? Any, any close seconds? Because that's an awesome story behind it, obviously, number one, for Crazy. sure. Yeah, I mean, getting Bob Cousy to sign a basketball for you is cool. <laughs> um, everything else, like, I got I got a Paul Pierce signed ball at, at a charity auction. So, like, mm-hmm. that's right. that's something I, you know, I, I spent 
whatever it was to donate to a charity to to get that um and it came along with a an autographed kind of plaque and stuff like that um which is cool but that's nothing nothing that lives up to the bob Cousy story right oh yeah that's crazy just like going on a TV show, bringing a basketball and saying, hey, hey, Bob Cousy, you want to sign this yeah. for me? <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He was very gracious about it. That's awesome. It's crazy. So you get to cover games. Obviously, you get to go. Do you have a favorite um, memory, favorite game you've been at um, when you've been covering the team? Um, you know, I, I don't because they, they all blend together and you're working. And it's, right. it's, it's different. It's hard. It's hard to like, like you get into like the flow of the game and like the, like this year, the, the game against Houston was kind of fun. Like whenever you have a buzzer beater, um, it can be fun, but I'll tell you what, when you're covering a team like that, um, those games can be actually frustrating because <laughs> I'm, I'm writing like, when I or you know when one of us on the beat is is writing a like a game story, we're um, we're writing as the game is going on. So like when you go to MassLive.com and as soon as the game is over, there's a there's a game recap there, and right. and so I'm I'm writing as it's going and trying to like keep a flow of the game, and as the game is starting to end. I generally have a sense of <clears throat> here's the story of the game here. So I, I can somewhere in the fourth quarter start crafting an intro and then, you know, like, so the middle piece is written during the game and towards the end of the game, I can do like the beginning and the end, but on a game like that, you start writing the beginning and then all of a sudden Jalen Brown hits a, a, a buzzer beater and like in the moment, you're like, "Wow, that's amazing!" But then you're always like, "Then you're like, oh, crap! I, <laughs> everything that I was just working on, I gotta throw it out. I gotta do like throw that paragraph out, and then do this, and then whatever." So it's it's so you have the opposite emotion dynamic. as everyone else in the building. <laughs> there are so many times where we're like, "Can some just please end this game? Just end this game." especially if a game kind of sucks and it's slow, but it's close. And you're like, the last thing I need right now is overtime, five more minutes of this crap. Because it's been 48 minutes of crap so far. And if so if this guy doesn't hit this free throw, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, <laughs> like, it's in, you know, especially, and you also have the added dynamic of, I might have to travel the next morning. Right. So... I might have a 7 a.m. flight. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I have to get up early anyway. So if the game is dragging on and it's going later and then they go into overtime, you're just like, oh, just let me. I just want to go. I want to get out of here because I have to go home. And by the time I go home and do this and do that and all my other stuff, I might not get more than three or four hours of sleep. So the longer this goes, the worse I feel about it. So it's you definitely you get the fandom knocked out of you pretty quickly when you're covering a team full time, uh, right. because you know there are other dynamics in play. Like I'm working, 
So I don't, I, I certainly can't cheer for anything. I grew up a Celtics fan, but like you, you, it's, it's nice when the Celtics do something positive. Um, I'd like them to succeed, but my job is not to have that. My job is not to root for them to succeed necessarily. My job is to watch a game and tell you what's happening and be as honest as I can about it. And like you ultimately, when you're covering a team, you, you start rooting for that team a little bit. Like, but if I lost my job here and the LA times came along and I was covering the Lakers, then, you know, I'd get to know the Lakers and you start to develop relationships with the Lakers. And when they come out and they do things well, you start to like, not celebrate it, but you know, I'm providing content for those fans. So I have to kind of match that energy a little bit. So it's, it's, the, it's a, it's a wild business in a lot of ways. Yeah, that is crazy. Speaking of travel, I'm glad you actually like mentioned travel. Do you have a favorite or, or like what's the best place to, to visit um, in terms of away games? Where do you like to go watch games the best? Best place or, or to cover go games from. Yeah. Well, so I do like the games in Philly. I like okay. why I, I like being in that, in that atmosphere because um, it's just, it's fun. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy road games. Um, when I was playing, I loved playing on the road because there's nothing like the silence of a home crowd when you're a visiting team. Um, getting the other team's <laughs> fans to right. shut up. Especially is, in Philly. You're right. It's an amazing feeling. And so that's what I'm saying. Like Philly is loud. You get in there and the fans are nuts and they hate the Celtics. Hate, hate, hate the Celtics. And I love that feeling of being in a place where you're hated because it just, it just brings out something visceral in me anyway. So when the Celtics are able to shut up the Philly crowd, you're like, I, I know how good that feels. But I also love hearing that hate from the, the crowd. So the, the energy in that building is just wild. Um, as far as cities that are, uh, first of all, New Orleans is my favorite city. Um, I love going to New Orleans. I'll go to New Orleans every time I can. So I always try to find my way onto a Celtics Pelicans game in New Orleans. I love, I just love the vibe there. It's my, it's my speed. I love it. Um, what else? Um, can't think of I, I would say those are my probably my two answers all right yeah, yeah. um nothing like the smoothie king arena or center whatever <laughs> they call it smoothie. yeah that arena is not particularly great but i don't care about the arena i right. just yeah the city itself the city. Is nice. I, I just want to get there because normally when you travel for if it's a one-off i get there the day before a game and leave the day after a game so if they have a shoot around the day before a game, you know, I work, I do all my, my whatever. And then that night I'm free. So the day before a game is when reporters go out and enjoy a city. The food in new Orleans is just my God. Amazing. Um, and it's, and it, it's also just a lot of fun. The vibe there is so cool. Um, and I just love to go to like Frenchman street, and, you know, Le Maison on Frenchman Street and just 
have a few drinks and watch the live music and just it's just so cool it's just so cool i, I do that all the time sounds amazing. um yeah it's fun it's fun no, I, I, question. Oh, oh. <laughs> we might have the same question but let, let me go first i don't yeah i got you it. i got you all right um so you mentioned you played you played i know you played in college did you yeah. play pro did you play pro I, somewhere i did i played in greece really that's yeah awesome. that's it was, awesome it was only one season i got hurt um it was a low-level team like um you ever watch those old videos of Giannis? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those those really crappy Greek gyms. Mm-hmm. Like those were the types of gyms that I played in. Um so it wasn't I don't want to make it sound like it was a huge, huge thing, but I did I did play a season professionally overseas before like I tore a quad, I hurt my back, and I was like, this is it's it wasn't worth it to me. I decided to come back here and start my media career, but but yeah. That that's crazy. That's so cool. So though. I was gonna ask who the best person at the media game is, but it's probably <laughs> you because <laughs> I know that you, they have a media game for the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so I've only played in one. I've only played in one. Now you have to remember, like I'm I'm about to turn forty seven. Okay. So all right. So you're a little past your prime. So I'm I'm a little bit past my prime. <laughs> um, and there are there are younger players out there. Um, and so, and I'm a sports writer. Now, other people are sports writers there too, but sports writing involves a lot of sitting. So, <laughs> I'm I'm a couple of pounds away from my playing weight. Um, only a couple, though. I just, <laughs> so I, I I have become much more of a pick setter and passer mm-hmm. than I I than a, a scorer uh, than I used to be, but. You know, uh, considering that Brian Scalabrini plays in those games. Oh, man. Oh, I completely um, forgot Scal plays. I'm just so sorry for that I'm going to say Scal probably just a touch better than the rest of us. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that for a, a guy who's in his late 40s, I, I, can, I can hold my own fairly well against these guys. Yeah, that's what I was going to awesome. I was thinking of your Twitter banner, and I saw you in the Celtics game, uh, or the Celtics uh uh merch and everything and i wanted to ask you about that is there anybody at those games who just like surprisingly quietly gets buckets like we've had um we've had uh i think your beat partner correct me if i'm wrong tom westerholm on the podcast yeah. a couple times it's does he does he i, I can picture tom just dropping buckets he's a shooter game. yeah he's a shooter. <laughs> like tom and i have gone like after after practice to go to like a ymca just to shoot oh, and man. play like some one-on-one and like it's you couldn't ask for two more contrasting styles. Like we'll go through shooting drills, and he'll, he'll hit like fifteen threes in a row, Jeez. and I'll hit like I'll hit like five total. Um, but when we play when we play one on one, it's basically he's going to do everything he can to to get his three shot three pointers off. Mm-hmm. And when I get the ball, I just spin and back him down yep. and use my size. And I used to be a post player. So I will I will use my spot my size and my post moves to try and get my buckets. But you know I, I, when I say like I'm a little bit of a dinosaur, like aside from being the approximate age of a dinosaur, <laughs> my my game, my bread and butter when I was playing does not suit today's basketball game. Yeah. I never really quite extended my range out to three, um, even though I will very gladly take threes because that means I do not have to get closer to the basket i just 
I just don't want to run those extra 15 feet. <laughs> got to respect it. You got to respect <laughs> You're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, and exactly. they're all tired in the fourth, and there you are. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> oh, man. Whenever I play at school, I'm, I was never an athlete. I was four foot eleven in high school, so – I, I grew to six feet though by the time I reached college, so I play intramurals and everything. But I'm always uh, a post player too. But uh, this was a great podcast. I know you're on a little bit of a time crunch. We can wrap it up around here. So, is there anything you wanted to say before we end this off here? Um, no. J- just like the <laughs> intros, I'm really bad at the outros too. I should have warned you about. That. <laughs> uh, go yeah. go to masslive.com/slash/celtics. Read yeah. our stuff. Yeah. Read our stuff. <laughs> uh, Listen yeah. to my podcast. Of course, of course. Uh, follow follow John on Twitter, Reds Army underscore John, of course. Uh, anything you wanted to say, Sam, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, listen to our podcast as well. Read John's <laughs> stuff. Listen to his podcast. John, it was really awesome having you on. Uh, this was a blast. This is, this is probably the most fun one we've done in quite a while. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we yeah. should inter- we should introduce you as John in the car, like they do on like the sports hub and stuff. Like, <laughs> <people call in. laughs> uh, right, right, right. Maybe yeah. you should take a turn with the intro, Sam. I'm getting rusty, you know. <laughs> Not great, but yeah. Uh, as usual, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow everybody on Twitter. Everything will be in the description. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys for listening to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. See you guys next time. Peace out. <laughs>